episode 163 i have a new guest here with me today we'll get into that shortly and what brought him here uh this faithful evening um but first you know we're we're sipping some whiskey we're sipping some coke we're uh we're smoking some bowls we're smoking some blunts we're having a we're having a nice night yes we are indeed what I tried to explain the show to my, my buddy here, I I would like to explain it as you're hanging out with us, we're sitting together on the same couch, we're telling stories, we're talking about cool shit, you know, we're we're passing the bowl, as I will right now. You may take a hit of that, sir. Thank you. And um I have a buddy here today who hasn't been on the show, but has been around uh, since I started the show, because I started the same year that we graduated from university together. Uh, he went. Uh, he was in classes with me and Cannibal Siren, who's also been on the show. Um, they do know of each other, and uh, I made a lot of friends uh, at that school, but not a lot of people I'd want to record with. And I'm I'm happy to be here on the couch with my buddy JJ the Jet Plane. Hello guys, this is JJ the Jet Plane. Or is it JJ Jet Plane? Uh J Square. <laughs> J Cube. J Cube. That's right, J Cube. JJ the Jet J Square. <laughs> no, uh I, so what let's let's get into it first. What made you pick that name? Um I uh I like the character, the what he represented. <laughs> what did he represent? He represented freedom. <laughs> I love Don't it. Don't you think so? I love it. No, I do agree. I mean, he's flying. The quest to fly. <laughs> the quest that, to, the be, ambitious to be among the clouds. That's correct. That's correct. I almost didn't remember what that was, but I had to think to myself for a moment. I was like, oh shit, that's that old CGI fucking kids show with the horrifying faces. That's correct. And I'm you gonna, got it right here. I get to draw you as that. For this show, oh, are you excited ex- to see it? I'm ex- very excited. I hope you're excited to join me. <laughs> I am so excited. Very anticipated. I'm very excited. I'm always happy to draw uh, people of distinct features. Um, what What would you say your ethnicity is? I'm Korean, so I'm a Korean airplane. I'm happy that I described you as Korean to my brother earlier today because I was thinking something else. So I'm glad to be correct. I hope you are correct. We're I was. Find out later. I was. <laughs> Shit. So uh, I'm here with uh, JJ, the Korean jet plane, Definitely. and and uh, man, your picture is gonna be f- fucking great. Thank you. <laughs> there I'm are only there are only so many people who I'm like 
excited to draw the picture. Like, I didn't know what I was going to draw for several of these people. Right. I just sat down and I was like, what am I feeling right now? Right. And for you, it's going to be easy because I'm going to look at a picture of your face right. and a picture of JJ the jet plane and just morph them together. And it's going to be haunting. <laughs> Sounds very Michelangelo-esque. So. <laughs> Thank you. Yep. Uh, we went to art school together, so we're very refined. Our opinions are... Our opinions matter. Very much so. They definitely matter. That's why we're here today, honestly. You know, who owns a podcast other than someone who thinks their opinion matters to the world? Joe Rogan. You are now here with me on my show, and I think your opinion matters. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, the, the next, the immediate follow-up question for first-timers on this show is, what is your, I would guess experience with online fiction slash creepypasta slash no sleep slash horror as a genre in general where do you gravitate uh, to be honest from a one through ten scale uh i would put myself at round of three i know of creepypasta i'm aware of like scary stuff but not sure the the fiction por portion sure yeah. you told me earlier that you don't really read fiction no. So, like, you've never read anything off of No Sleep before? I mean, I've seen on Reddit. Yes. But I don't read it because it's scary. You don't sit there and read it. No. Bad Is there a reason why? Bad memories, bad thoughts. Uh, are are you going to be upset with us reading it now on the podcast? No, of, of course not. I'm very <laughs> open-minded Okay, okay. As long as I'm not putting you in a bad spot mentally or, or emotionally. No, I'm mentally strong, trust okay, me. I'd hope so. Because some of the shit we say on this show is ridiculous. No, I... Um, I recently finished a series with my friend, uh, which was entirely about um, a single parent having a daughter, and the daughter accidentally misspells Santa on a Dear Santa note, and Christine. instead spells it as Satan. Yeah. And we read a three-episode series about how that turned into an experience. So, like, that's the type of storytelling that you could Sounds probably good. expect on this show. Sounds good to me. I mean, we've read some haunting shit on this show. Like, like if I really wanted to freak you out, I'd send you some good episodes to listen to. Because we've read some haunting shit on this show. So, like, honestly, it's a crapshoot. This entire show is a crapshoot. I sit down with someone new every week, and we just tackle something new from the world of the internet. And all that we know, vaguely is that it's horror-related. It could be about monsters, it could be about ghosts, it could be about aliens, it could be about serial killers, it could be about the fucking dark dimension of the universe, it could be about fucking Cthulhu himself. You know, there's so many directions to go in. And the experience you have in the genre comes into the criticism of the material, the reception of the material. What we're essentially going to do is read a story and talk about it as we go through it. And whenever you have a thought, whenever it comes to the top of your head, just say it, because that's the type oh. of you know dialectic experience we're having. Um, I like to butt in with a lot of jokes, <laughs> because if I think something is full of shit, I will usually call it out on being full of shit. Um, but so we also I. talk but we also talk about how some stories are compelling and how we excite you know we're excited by where the story's going you know the entire show 
is about that product. And we've been doing this for three years since we graduated. And uh, we're here to read some crazy shit. Do you think you want to read shorter stories and talk about them as we go along? Or do you want like one long one that lasts like a half hour and then we talk about it? I prefer multiple. Multiple shorter stories. You're going to have a classic episode. We used to start these episodes like three years ago. I would just pull up my master catalog list, which I'm going to do right now. It is just a, uh, a fucking collection of stories I've gathered over the years. And we're going to read, we're going to do the round robin. I want us to read from a different source every time. I want to give you a taste of everything that we've covered on this show. Got it. Because I get different sources. I get creepypasta. I get unsettling stories. I get uh, Reddit no sleep. I get stories to read alone at night. I get uh, stuff about Slenderman, stuff from a, a site called Too Spooky. Um, we've covered a lot of different material on this show. So I'd like to think that if we read like three stories, I want you to be able to tell me which ones, quick ones. I want you to be able to tell me which ones stood out to you the most. Which one did you enjoy reading the most, you know? And that's the kind of dialogue that we're going to get into. So I want to start with a classic. Mm -hmm. I want to start with something from Creepypasta. Because Creepypasta is kind of the oldest of the bunch. It's kind of the original gangster. Creepypasta existed as a fictional media for people to freak each other out online. They would post creepy pictures, creepy stories, facts, monster sightings, shit like that. You know, Creepypasta gave birth to Jeff the Killer, Slender Man, a lot of uh, pokey fun characters. Does any of this ring a bell to you? Yes, it does. Do you know of this shit? Yes, it does. It reminds me of my freshman year of college. Why? Because my roommates showed me this. They showed you shit like this? Yeah, Slenderman. Like Slenderman? Nice. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Do you remember anything particular about Slenderman? Well, he was, what, nine feet? He was black. Sounds like a crime suspect, but... (laughs) (laughs) Oh, shit. And then he, he preys on people. Yeah, he preys on he preys on kids. He preys on their their fears and their loneliness. Sounds like Monsters Inc., don't you think? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a little bit. Except they learned the power of laughter. At the end. <laughs> um, I'm gonna read some titles here. You tell me what you want to read. Got it. Why Sarah never sleeps. Why Sarah never sleeps. Is it just because it was the last one? No. Or did it really interest you? I know someone named Sarah. <laughs> you know someone named Sarah. Yeah. So we're going to read this story, and this one goes out to you, Sarah, uh, from <laughs> from oh. JJ the Jet Plane. Why Sarah never sleeps from Creepypasta. I'd rather you read it. I think you would have more. So here, here's... If that's the case, here's one thing I'm going to demand from you. Go ahead. You read dialogue. <laughs> Where is that? <laughs> so, like, when I get here, you'd say that. <laughs> okay. No problem. Uh, whenever there's dialogue and stories, <laughs> I'm going to call you out on it. All right. All right. So, this story is from Creepypasta. It's called Why Sarah Never Sleeps. 
<laughs> Here with JJ the Jetplane. Mm-hmm. Episode 163. In case you forgot what you were listening to. There were too many doors in the upstairs hall. Sarah told her parents, but they couldn't see it. They told her not to worry. They told her there was nothing there. But there was an extra door at the end of the upstairs hall. An extra yellow door. And it didn't belong. (laughs) It was the color of disease. Jaundiced and infected with spidery black veins across its face. One perfect silver knob gleamed in its center above a shadowy keyhole. It didn't look right. The doorknob shone with a mirror's finish and caught the light from any angle. Begging for Sarah to look its way, Sarah did her best to ignore it, but the door knew her name, and it whispered when she drew near. Sarah. (laughs) The door would rasp with a voice like dried leaves as tiny claws scraped against the other side. Tears would well in Sarah's eyes as she'd hurry past, her arms laden with anything she'd need to get ready for the day. Sarah. It would call again before she'd shuffle out of range and close the bathroom door, cutting off its paper-thin wails. When she'd creep from the bathroom to head downstairs, the voice would follow her with a furious fury of scraping claws and tormented howls. They lingered and gnawed in the back of her mind as she rushed through breakfast so she could leave the house a few minutes sooner. School became a blessing, an excuse to be someone somewhere else. At school, she could forget the door. At school, she could pretend her house was like everyone else's with the right number of doors and no eerie whispers. But at the end of the day, it was still waiting for her at the end of the upstairs hall with its mirror ball knob and yellow face. She hated coming home and knowing it was there, but even more than that, she hated going to sleep because in her dreams, she opened the door. Every night she stood before it, fighting the urge to reach out. Dread knotted in her belly in anticipation of pain, but when her hand rose anyway to grasp the silver knob, some nights it burned her like the driest ice. Other nights it seared like a red-hot coal. Very occasionally, it did neither. Instead, turning and turning without ever opening the door, and she couldn't stop turning it until she woke up. When the door did open, it revealed a swirling vortex of shadow and sound, with a thousand voices crying in the darkness. The voices curled around her, crawling through her hair like spiders. She thrashed and swatted at their skittering whispers, but the words still tingled across her skin. She never should have listened. He sees. They said. He hears. They moaned. He hungers. They wept and burrowed into her mind like worms. The whole man. The whole man. They echoed in her mind and screamed to her from the gaping vortex. The hollow man. He hunts. He hunts. It's Kevin Bacon. He's coming for you. Sarah shot up with a scream that night, gasping and sweating, but alone in her bed. The clock's crimson face said midnight had passed, but not by much. Darkness enveloped her room, except where a vestigial nightlight illuminated the corner by her desk. It wasn't much, but she felt better when she saw it. She pulled the bed sheets over her head and pushed away the echoing voices. I'm fine, she swore, hugging her knees and rocking. 
It's just a dream. They're always dreams. The dreams will go away like they always do. Just starting. Humming a song her mother used to sing when Sarah was smaller, small enough to need the nightlight, and the panic faded little by little with every note. Just a dream, she repeated. Just a dream. Just a... Someone whispered from the hall. Sarah froze. Sarah, are you Sarah? It was the voice of a girl, not much younger than Sarah, and not at all like the voice she usually heard from the door at the end of the hall. Who... Who are you? Sarah whispered back from beneath the sheets. My name is Lizzie. Are you Sarah? Sarah didn't move. She was terrified of leaving the safety of her cocoon. As the moments ticked past, however, an anxious curiosity emboldened her enough to peek out from the covers. What if it was another girl? She thought. She sounded just as scared as Sarah felt. Sarah crawled from her bed, clutching the sweat-damp nightshirt she mourned to sleep, and waited. When nothing happened, she stood up and tiptoed towards her bedroom door. Toward the waiting yellow door with the mirror ball knob on the wall at the end of the upstairs hall. When she stood before it, her stomach lurched, and for a moment she couldn't tell if she was going to vomit or faint. Please? The door said in a young girl's voice when Sarah got close. Please, are you Sarah? Sarah opened her mouth to answer, but her voice was a tiny squeak of nothing. She pressed her palms to her cheeks and smeared away the tears before trying again. Yes. She finally managed. Um, Sarah. (laughs) Please let me in. The door's silvery knob shook violently, rattling as if locked and jostled by someone on the other side. Sarah stumbled back with a gasp, staring at the shuddering alien knob. Let me in, Sarah. Please. I can't stay in here. Please help me. Let me in. Sarah dropped to her knees when her legs gave out, and she screamed when she looked at the door. Level with the shadowy keyhole below the rattling knob, she stared directly into a very human eye. Tears shimmered in the other eye as they shimmered in Sarah's. It darted around, wide with fear, as if searching through the hall, and then without warning, the keyhole became shadow and the silver knob stilled, and the girl on the other side of the door began to cry. Please, Sarah. She pleaded. He's almost here. The hollow man? Sarah whispered as a chill slithered up her spine. Lizzie sobbed quietly. Sarah scooted closer to the door, her fear growing colder when the girl from the other side didn't answer. Lizzie? Silence fell, as if it had always been there. She couldn't hear Lizzie crying anymore, and even the house was too quiet behind her. Sarah put her ear near the door and held her breath, and she waited. Minutes passed, but it couldn't have been minutes. Nothing moved, nothing whispered, nothing cried, nothing stirred. She couldn't hear anything but her own racing heart. Was she gone? Lizzie? She tried again, afraid the hollow man had taken her. He's here. Lizzie whispered at last, almost in her ear, as though Lizzie's lips pressed tight against the keyhole. Please, let me in. Sarah's head ached. The world was a little fuzzy around the edges, and it was harder to focus than before. She had to stand up. She didn't dare touch the sickly door, but her legs felt too wobbly and weak to support her. She reached for the knob with a trembling hand. Please, Sarah. Lizzie's voice was getting smaller. Please. 
Grasping the mirror ball knob, she pulled herself up from the floor. It moved noiselessly beneath her hand, gliding without resistance and opened the yellow door. A lonely expanse of normal wall inched into view, and she felt sick. She worried at her thumb in confusion and extended a trembling hand to touch the wall behind the door. It was solid. As solid and as normal as the wall at the end of the upstairs hall should be. But her stomach churned. She gently closed the door, which issued a soft click as the latch sprang into place and waited. She hardly dared to move or breathe as she listened to the night, waiting for the door to speak again. Hours passed in oppressive silence, even though it couldn't have been hours, and the door had nothing to say. Sarah grew sleepy, too sleepy to keep standing, too sleepy to remember why she was standing so still at the end of the upstairs hall. It was time to go to bed. It's just a dream, she remembered, turning away and rubbing at her eyes. They're always dreams. Shuffling to her bed was like swimming through jello, and most of the way there she couldn't keep her eyes open. Luckily, she knew the way. The dreams will go away like they always do. The crimson clock was broken when she rolled herself back into bed, its face declaring 12.16 a.m. to a room that only vaguely felt familiar, but she couldn't bring herself to care when her eyes and body felt so heavy. Sarah, Lizzie whispered, but it couldn't be a whisper. Sarah, Lizzie whispered. Sarah, don't wake up. Sarah groaned a little. Don't wake up, Lizzie said, her voice echoing in Sarah's mind. Sarah frowned and rolled onto her back. She didn't want to wake up. She wanted to stay asleep. Lizzie didn't need to tell her not to wake because not being awake was the whole point of being asleep. For a long time, all was silence. Sarah's mind drifted, and she felt herself grow lighter, as if getting ready to float up through the blackness that surrounded her. She could feel the cool sheets beneath her, and for a moment she thought she heard the papery-thin rustle of leaves in her room. "'He's here,' Lizzie whispered at last. "'Please don't wake up.' "'Who's here?' Sarah wondered as she steadily rose. "'His hollow face and eerie mask.' With hollow voice at doors will ask, to be invited in to bask above his favored midnight task. Gay little poem for this funny story. A strange tingling worked its way up Sarah's body as Lizzie recited the haunting rhyme in a disconcerting monotone. Clarity inched its way toward her slowly, melting away the fog of sleep. Hadn't she been dreaming? Was she still dreaming? Something was wrong. He's waiting inches from your face to be the first thing your eyes grace, but keep them shut or else embrace a hollow shell to take your place. Cold dread seized Sarah's heart with each new stanza, and she trembled with the weight of her mistake. For a moment she swore she could feel the air stir above her, stale and strangely warm against her cheeks. Leaves rustled above her bed. The yellow door you always keep. He follows you to where you sleep. Into your room, he will then creep, your life and dreams for him to reap. Lizzie's voice became little more than a breath within Sarah's mind, and the air cooled around her when a pressure lifted from her chest. The leaves were in the hall. The hollow man above your bed, 
with hollow eyes, deep slumber fed. His hollow dreams may fill your head, but never peek, or you'll be dead. Everything was wrong. Distantly, Sarah registered the sound of her parents screaming in their room and felt tears sliding down her cheeks. No longer dream tears, she could feel the wet warmth as each one fell. Mommy? Sarah whispered, the sound paper-thin. Daddy? She rasped with a voice like dried leaves. Lizzie, she thought, but Lizzie did not respond. Silence fell over the house and Sarah knew nothing would ever be right. From the hall outside her bedroom door, Sarah heard the soft click as a latch sprang into place and waited. Silence filled the house again. The leaves were gone. Sunlight peeked through the curtains and the crimson clock said it was 7.45 a.m. before she felt it was safe enough to open her eyes and leave her room. The yellow door, with its mirror ball knob, stared at her from the wall at the end of the upstairs hall, and the house was still too quiet. It was a different quiet than before, though, a different quiet than from her dream. It was the quiet of a tomb, except, of course, for the occasional tapping, as if from tiny claws from the other side of the yellow door. I thought that was a pretty fun story. That was very uh, descriptive. Descriptive. Oh, it definitely was. Fun little poem, fun little uh, yellow door imagery. You know, it definitely worked on imagery. Everyone and their mom listening to that story is thinking of their upstairs hall and there just being a yellow door that didn't exist before. You know, very easy to imagine. Oh, yeah. I, I imagined then, it well. Sure. And then you throw in the whole, like, uh, supernatural aspect of there being nothing but wall there and it almost being a door into your dreams for some type of boogeyman. And then it's like, oh, shit. Um, but every time they said Hollow Man, I just kept thinking of that Kevin Bacon movie. I never watched Kevin Bacon. <laughs> <laughs> Why Sarah Never Sleeps. So what'd you think of like your first like full-on creepypasta? Um, I thought, especially being in this room, you definitely feel... The vibe. Oh yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, and the yeah. story definitely leads what? leads your brain into a into that realm where you think, damn, you know, <laughs> there, dark stuff does exist in our heads, even in, oh, uh, not just in our heads, but in our worlds, man. Oh yeah, in I mean, our worlds, it, art imitates life. Life Absolutely. imitates art. Absolutely, they say they say Hitler was a uh, a pretty okay painter. I thought he was. I thought he was too. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. I thought he was. I thought I've seen his stuff, and he's not that I bad. I mean, dude, shit. But you know, we're also not as judgmental as a generation as I imagine the generations he grew up into. I think back then they didn't have the internet, and they had very. They were very. Consistent. The arts were also like a waste. You were you were an asshole if I you mean, were a painter back then because because well, you're either broke or you're not. Yeah. Also, back then, military, right? The war was happening. I thought I thought that was more cherished back then. Oh, absolutely. You know, like, like he mechanics. Was in a, he was in World War One. Yeah, most definitely. I mean, that could... He said a lot of his time spent there is, is, you know, is the reason why he knew how to talk to, to soldiers and military men so well. Yeah, he wasn't full German, though. I can tell. Oh, Hitler. Anyway, um, we're going to now dip our toe into Reddit No Sleep. 
Do you know Reddit No Sleep? Yeah. The difference between Creepypasta and Reddit No Sleep? I don't... I there isn't much of one. Um, that was almost a trick question. Um, Creepypasta just came before Reddit No Sleep. Reddit No Sleep tends to be a little bit more user-friendly. You yeah, don't you don't have to do a submission process, really. You just Reddit, post. Yeah. You just post. You just share shit. So you will never see better and you will never see worse than stuff on No Sleep. Whereas everything on Creepypasta is kind of okay. It's, it's in yeah. the same vein. And I, I also think in that vein that No Sleep brings people opportunity to make, you know, bring up what there have, have been there have been TV shows, there have been off movies of, off of? based off of things on No Sleep. Really? Yeah. Shit. There's a there's yeah, a TV can show I can show you. Um it's called Channel Zero. They adapted like four really great stories. Um Candle Cove, No End House, uh The Dream Door and uh Butcher's Block. Right. Um they're all really great adaptations of uh No Sleeps and Creepypastas. And I, and it is both because Candle Cove is a creepypasta, No End House is a creepypasta, and Butcher's Block is a no sleep, and Dream Door is a no sleep. Doesn't it fascinate you that these people who write these are real right. human beings out there? Absolutely, they're, they're no different neighbor. than you and me. It could be I, no, no, exactly. That's what I'm saying. I could fucking be your wrote something for my show before. Yeah, I could write something. You would know. Absolutely. Exactly. I'd be, I'd love to read it. <laughs> no, I would never. Okay. But you wouldn't know. Absolutely. That's the power of what's happening right now on the internet. You see this? It's the hive mind. Yeah, and like, dude, the internet. We all is come crazy together and create right this atmosphere, and then <sighs> someone just sits about? down one day, and someone just like writes a story, and they're like, yeah. you know who would like this story? The fucking internet. Great example is PewDiePie. Look at that. It's a great example. Holy, he has an What army. was streaming before PewDiePie, honestly? Dude. Streaming might have been a little bit more I mean, boring before it. PewDiePie. Yeah, exactly. I agree. No, but like I think about the the social aspect, the social power aspect of it. Absolutely. Do you, his subscribers, the millions of subscribers, can physically meet up one day and be like, hey, let's support yes. PewDiePie and make yes. him into office. <laughs> That's what we did with Trump. You know? Absolutely. Bring him to power. That's what happens. <laughs> uh, I'm going to read a list of uh, no sleeps. And you tell me what pops out and we'll read that. The machine. I choose the machine. That sounds... The machine? The machine. I like that. You want to get into the machine. The machine. Let's find you. Master, I could read it this time. You want to read? Or half of it. Or you know you read as much as you want, man. If you're into it, get into it. I'll I, read like... Hey, man. All that you had to say was you want to read. I will. Here we are. You read. Well, I want to get my voice out there. I, I need... My voice has been like... <clears throat> and now is the time more Dude, than ever. This is how perfectly it starts the sentence. I like that. So, like this it. story is called The Machine from Reddit No Sleep. And you can take it away, JJ. The jet plane. <laughs> My grandfather was an inventor, and a skilled one at that. Over his lifetime, he accumulated over 40 patents, and that allowed him to live quite comfortably after his retirement. After he retired, he was able to focus on inventing stuff, and he enjoyed and found interesting rather than stuff 
that would earn him a paycheck. Naturally, his wife and our family supported the viewings of his latest invention. Even though nobody really found them very interesting, but we loved being around him and took every opportunity to drive that short distances to his house to see him. My grandfather wasn't just brilliant, he also was gifted with exceptional social skills and as well as intimidating IQ. He was the kind of guy who put a smile on everybody's face. The kind of guy who everyone seemed to like. The kind of guy who everyone wanted to be around and be like. And I was no exception. One day we get a phone call from my grandpa inviting us to the viewing of his new invention. His life's work, he calls it. The invention he's been working on for the past 20 years is nearly complete. He says it should be done in a few more weeks, but he sh just wanted to inform us on how close he was. My grandfather hangs up the phone. He would have dinner at my grandpa's house once a week, every week. In the weeks leading up to the viewing, he was ecstatic. He pranced around the house with a smile from ear to ear seemingly stuck on his face. His laugh was louder. His food tasted better. Everything about him echoed happiness. And then it stopped. A few days before the viewing was supposed to take place, we get a call. It's my grandfather. He told us the viewing is canceled and so is dinner for the week. My grandfather hangs up the phone. After the call, my grandpa's a ghost. He doesn't pick up any calls, doesn't visit our family, and won't allow us to visit him. What a piece of shit. <laughs> Wait, there's more. My grandmother is worried. She doesn't know what's going on either. My grandfather, the man who used to be the life of the party, was now a reclusive old man who never left his fucking room. <laughs> The inventions in which he took so much joy into creating how gathered dust in his workshop. The phone rings. I pick up the phone to hear my grandmother sobbing on the other line. It's my grandfather. He hung himself. He didn't even leave a damn note. My family goes over to the house to help my grandmother clean and get rid of a few items that my grandmother doesn't want around anymore. But my father assigns my siblings and I all the rooms to clean. I get the workshop. I walk in the workshop and the place is shrouded in a haze of dust. Relics of my grandfather's creativity are scattered everywhere. Each of them a Dorm with their own layer of dust. I grabbed a few items and throw them in the cardboard box I'm holding tucked behind my forearm on my hip. I have no idea what I'm supposed to be cleaning. <laughs> so I look over the most dusty items first and throw them in the box. Each item that lands producing its own cloud of dust. <laughs> You're really pissed off to be stuck cleaning, aren't you? <laughs> In the corner of the room, I see an object concealed under a sheet. Oh, shit. With the 
where you see those damn fucking cars before they unveil those movies and all those things in the room and the least dusty of all. I walk over the object, I hesitate for a minute before I pull the sheet. And from the object feeling what's underneath, and underneath the sheet is a chair. A chair looks like it could be futuristic version of the electric chair. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. It's made out of metal, like some type of chrome. It shines so bright that you have to squint <laughs> your eyes when you're looking at it. And the matter seems to give life to the lifeless room mast and dust. It's tall, intimidating with cords and wires reaching around the back to plug in some sort of helmet in the front of the chair. And from the helmet, some kind of looking glass hangs like a combination of binoculars and some sort of retinal scanner that you see in movies from the future. That's dope. I see the stone craft of my grandfather and instantly I know what it is. This machine is my grandfather's last work. I hesitate for a moment, take a deep breath, and take a seat on the chair. Oh, fuck. It's cold and uncomfortable. I think twice before pulling the helmet over my head, but I do it anyways. I pull the looking glasses to align with my eyes and wait for something to happen. Nothing does. I turn to look around inside of the chair. I see a small switch. I flick it opposite ways it's facing, pull the helmet and glasses to my face and once more. This time there's a flash. It's more subtle than I expected, but still reasonably bright. It's a flash about as bright and as loud as you will see given off by those cameras in the 1930s. A single flash and then nothing. I got the chair moved around and nothing had changed. I thought whenever machine my grandpa had been working on was broken. And that the machine simply being broken is what caused him to be depressed. However, upon seeing my father enter the room, I knew it had worked. <laughs> I knew exactly what I had done. The machine that my grandfather had crafted his life work is unlike any other machine on the planet. The machine allows you to see people, to see they are completely without any deceptions. It allows you to see into their soul. The vision you come into the same way Daydream does, two separate universes bleeding into the same reality. When you see a person, You've used the machine, you'll never see them the same way again. You see the good and the evil at the same time. The disturbing part is how little good there is compared to evil. Anywhere you go, you're surrounded by monsters instead of people, wolves in sheep's clothing. Each person you cross is a terrible fabrication. The man who lives next door is the man who touches his daughter every night after his wife goes to sleep. Your mailman is an alcoholic. <laughs>
who beats his wife after he comes for more. The man you just passed walking down the street is a serial killer. <laughs> Everything you go, you're haunted by mythological creatures around you. But that's not what drives my grandpapa mad. It's not what caused him to take his life. Because the scariest thing of all is the one you see when you go outside. The thing that haunts you the most is what you see looking in the mirror. That was awesome. Thank you. That was JJ the Jet Plane. That was awesome. JJ the Jet, Jet, Plane, Jet Plane. Of course. Of course. Check Ford out my Spotify. All, uh, Ford all royalties to me. Uh, JJ the Jet Plane. There you go. <clears throat> that was wonderful. That was the machine. That was the machine. That's a crazy story. Yeah, it was. I liked that one a lot. Um, what you thought about the story? So, I mean, obviously, obviously, you know, this guy claims to be an inventor. He makes something, immediately kills himself. You know, I immediately jumped to, he did something he shouldn't have. He saw something he shouldn't have. He regretted something. And when you have a title like The Machine, you get into it and you're like, so he built something, it made him go mad. And the whole, like, seeing the soul, you know, seeing people's intention, who they really are, I'm about that shit. I think, I think if you were to put that in, like, a movie, it would be terrifying. So every time you look at someone, you just see their, like, scowling fucking murderous faces. Like, how nightmarish is that? It's pretty crazy. That's life. It is life in a lot of ways. We are wolves in sheep's clothing, all all hiding our little little secrets and our dangers and our fears. Good examples of some shit. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. And now I want to read something from Unsettling Stories. This yeah. is our third, and this is the newest forum that I found. It's all just one author. He just writes all of these stories all the time. Oh, really? And um, they, they all are about... Uh, this is mostly shock horror, so it's about gross stuff. Right. Um, I'll read a couple <sighs> titles. You tell me what stands out. <laughs> Eavesdropping through an IP camera. I like IP camera. <laughs> IP camera. Yeah. I'm very interested in what this is. Eavesdropping <sighs> from an IP camera. Alright, so I'm going to read something real quick from Unsettling Stories. These guys are usually um in the realm of what I called earlier gross-out horror. Like, uh, in the vein of, like, Evil Dead or just, like, Reanimator, you know. Crazy, uh, trauma-esque, like, circumstances of, uh... Sometimes funny and sometimes scary situations. Eavesdropping through an IP camera, unsettling stories. A couple years back, there was a software flaw in a few webcam brands. Whenever they were active, they could be accessed by scanning the internet for a particular open port, and once the port was found, anyone can tune in without the user knowing that they were being watched. And millions of people used these webcams. The company quickly released software hotfixes, but no one aside from a few tech-savvy folks updated their webcam software, so even today, they broadcast everything they do in front of their computer to anyone who's voyeuristic enough to watch. People like me. 
I'm not proud of my fascination, but I won't pretend it isn't there, and I won't lie and claim I didn't indulge it for a while. I watched thousands of people all over the world doing everything. Laughing, sobbing, clipping toenails, masturbating, puking, doing homework, exercising. It was a thrill. None of them had any idea. A few nights ago, I was snooping in on what looked like a greenhouse. The IP address was somewhere in North Carolina, but that's never completely accurate. Either way, it looked like the camera was being used for security as it overlooked the whole area. There were two people working on what I couldn't tell, but it became clear that one of them was in a bit of distress. Something on the table where they were working had latched onto his glove, and they were both trying to brush it off. The camera didn't have a zoom feature, but I was able to use my browser to enhance the size. It didn't do much, it just kind of blurred and got even grainier, and still I couldn't make out what looked like a plant growing up the guy's hand. Whatever I was seeing, it was infinitely more interesting than any other cameras that night. Uh, the two guys succeeded in getting the glove off. The wearer seemed fine, but he was pacing back and forth, as if he were excited or scared or anxious. It made sense to me. If a plant had latched onto my hand while I was working, I'd be in a combination of all of those things. One of them used a pair of tongs to pick up the glove and place it into what looked like a fishbowl or a terrarium. Then he did something I didn't expect. He turned around, reached into the cage I hadn't noticed, and pulled out a large white rat. He dropped it into the tank with the glove. Even though the resolution was terrible, I could see whatever was on the glove grab the rat. The animal jumped and rolled around before going still. The plant life crept over its body and it didn't move. The two guys were typing something on their respective computers. I couldn't see any of it. It looked like they were taking notes. All that went on for about five minutes. I assumed the rat was dead, then something happened. At first I thought it was just a line of distorted video, but the harder I looked I saw it wasn't. Something was growing out of the top of the rat's head, and the rat was moving again. One of the men picked up the cage and put it on the table much closer to the camera, and right then I could see exactly what was happening. More of the plant grew from the rat's head until it was sticking up about a foot and a half. Its eyes bulged and the plant emerged from the sockets. The rat started to walk. It would back up, walk in a straight line, bump into the side of the tank, then try again. Over and over and over and over as more of the plant emerged from its skull. Then it shook itself. A cloud of something spread through the tank before settling in. One of the guys appeared in frame again. This time he was wearing a full body protective suit. He picked up the rat and placed it on the floor, then opened the door to the greenhouse. The animal hesitated for a second and then ran outside. Nothing else of note really happened after that. I don't know what it was I really saw, but I've been checking on every camera ever so often over the last couple of days, and the same thing would happen. A rat would get put in the tank with a portion of plant life, and the plant would grow out from it, and once it shook that particular matter from itself, it would be let outside. This morning, when I checked the camera, the two guys were there again. One of them 
um, the one who had his glove covered didn't look particularly healthy. His skin was covered with blotches. The oversaturated color from the camera made them look bright red, almost like his skin was missing. Still, he did the same as he'd done each time. He'd plant the sample, uh, move it to the rat, move the, uh, the rat would then shake, and then he'd release it. There was more light this morning, so uh, I even got a chance to make out what was coming out of the rat's head. And it's weird to think about it, but it's almost certain skinny white mushrooms. I fucking hate <laughs> mushrooms. Beautiful. <laughs> um, that's based off of an actual fungi. Did you know that? I did not know that. So there's an actual fungus. It exists in the Amazon. It has not spread to to mammals, to any form of uh, mammal life, but it does affect insects. If insects go so, go, go towards a, a certain spore, right. the spore will embed itself into the insect's uh, exoskeleton, feed into the crevices, and make its way into the nervous system, shut down the nervous system of the entire insect, and then regrow itself as a mushroom out of the center of the insect's man. head... And it'll act like an antenna, and it'll control the insect's body. It's a plant? It's a fungus. That's crazy, dude. So this insect is dead. Right. And it's dying as it's being controlled. Exactly, like a zombie. And there's a little mushroom poking out of the head, and it's it's controlling to a hive mind fungus. How crazy is that? What if zombies are like that? Zombies might be like that. Come on, like dead uh, human de- decayed bodies in the ground, and then mushroom fungus goes in the dead human body. So, fun fact. Come on. The video game series yeah. Last of Us nope. is based off of that fungus. Really? The the that With that girl? Yes, the series Last of Us, um, about the little girl who kind of looks like Alan Page, um, Ellie, she... Um, she deals with things called they call clickers in the game, but it's humans whose heads have exploded into a oh fungal spore. Oh my god. A fungal spore. Yeah, like Resident Evil. Have you ever Yes. Have yeah. you ever have you ever seen Last of Us? No, I did I know the game. I've seen like the cover page. Clickers. Clickers are fun to look at, man. Because it's just a, a fungus in their head. That looks like from Resident Evil. This is Last of Us. Okay. It's, it looks like, yeah, continue. That's a fungus. If dude, I were to say, I, dude, that has to exist. Fungus. It does, it does exist. Like but humans? Only, it does exist, like but only for insects. I know, but like. You Look don't at think? all those mushrooms coming out of, coming out of the, these dude, bugs. Look at that shit. This is, this is the one. That bug's dead. Bug's dead, but it's being controlled. It's walking around. By that little, freaking mushroom? Little mushrooms. That mushroom's controlling it? Uh huh. Uh huh. Dude, this is crazy. You know there are worms. You, you know there are worms that do this too. Yeah, tapeworms. Worms crawl into small bugs, yeah. control all of their muscle functions, yeah, and when they're done eating all of the nutrients, they do yeah, they fucking shit themselves out and move on to the next thing. They're fucking parasites. What if some humans are like that? You don't know. That's what I love. You don't know. That's what I love about you, you know, know the darkness of Dude. of the world. There is Tell exactly a universe that exists where that that. That fungus, that parasite. They has, worship. It, they like worship it. 
I don't know if they'd worship it, but you if know, it there's existed, like religion for everything, though, right? There is a religion for everything, like marijuana, <laughs> like that green grass, like that green grass. No, but that's interesting to think about that of a mushroom. Oh, uh, a mushroom that takes uh, over your brain? Yeah, a mushroom doesn't even move. Think about it. It just grows no, on the spores. ground. Yeah. It's spores. It's in the air. It fucking you could breathe it in one day. Is and it classified different as a plant? Right? It is. Wow, that's crazy to think about now. It is. They're classified yeah, that's an alien. Fungus they're classified alien. completely differently. No, funguses are very much earth driven. Funguses uh, are mostly <sighs> born out of shit. Nah. Really? If you've ever done mushrooms, nine chances out of ten they were grown in, in shit. Really? I thought grown the ground, bro. Not all the time. Fertilizer, man. Fertilizer at the end of the day is shit. Funguses grow best in shit. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but like that is a scientific fact. If you have... Everyone, if you have ever done mushrooms before, you have consumed fecal matter. Learn something new every day. You learn something new yeah, every day, man. man. <laughs> you learn something new every day. That's what, we, that's what we're here on this podcast for. Oh, yeah, for sure. We're here Literally to teach are. the masses. Dude, learn you up. We're doing work. We are yeah. doing work. Dude, this is... I feel like I'm in work. <laughs> Come on. All right? I mean, no. I hope, I hope you're having more fun than I you am. would at work. <laughs> okay. Both. Yeah, um, both. Do we feel good? Are those the only stories we want to read? How you feeling? Yeah, I mean, we could do one more short story. And then... You want to do an unsettling story? Yeah, I could read one more and then we could, you know. Let's pick a fun one. You could read one more. Uh, the reason why I chose the title was because the IP camera, I think, is very relevant nowadays with our phones. NSA, man. Everyone's listening. <laughs> oh, for real? He's not talking anymore because he knows they're listening. <laughs> Oh, Alright, so here here's some that you could choose from. <laughs> I know what Edward Snowden said. <laughs> I want you to pick from these these few. Ouroboros. I'll take that. Ouroboros. That sounds like very Mexican food. <laughs> no, Ouroboros is the symbol of something consuming itself. Hey, off-topic question. Is that allowed? Can I ask you a question? Absolutely. Do you believe in occultism? Occult, absolutely. I mean, I don't believe... I don't practice, but I know I it know. exists. Hell yeah, dude. Dude. Because, like... Dude, no, no, <laughs> come on. Dude, come on. Dude, I keep seeing... Dude, what's, what's up with the, the black Saturn? Something? Cuba Saturn? That I don't know. Oh, my... <laughs> I don't, you know I'm not I, into like neo paganism and shit. I don't know what, what does that mean. <laughs> you don't know. No, that I don't know what that. Means. I don't want to be right. that. I don't. Wanna, no, don't worry. Don't worry about it. You know I'm gonna go with that later. I'm gonna be like, what, <laughs> sure. what does she say to me? It's just paganism. Man. I know what that means. I really don't. Uh, worshiping of a god. Sorry, Anna. See, could you say it again? Please? The NSA knows. <laughs> Dude, come on, man. Uh, it's Dude, okay, I'm freaking man. out. You're fine. <laughs> Yo, I'm getting goosebumps, no. bro. Yo. So I'm gonna let you read this one. You can calm down. You can calm down. That was just a coincidence. No, it's not. This story is called Ouroboros from Unsettling Stories. I'll do a different kind of accent. You could read however you want. <clears throat> You're good. Calories in. Uh, calories in, calories out. Calories in, calories out. 
Calories in, calories out. You eat your shit. Input, output. That's (laughs) life. Yeah, it's like a plug. I used the general saw I stole from work to cut off the first knuckle off of my left pinky. The bosses had to know I took the thing, but I doubt they even care. What a hundred dollars tool to a company that's worth millions. Besides, they were getting rid of me, rid of me, and that's the priority was. Maybe they'll take it out of the last check, and they said they'll mail. Despite what I thought, it wasn't easy to pull the bone out of the finger chunk. Oh shit! So I peeled off the nail and then cut the remainder off the piece open with the Dremel, and took the bone out of the messy way. You ever you ever use a Dremel before? No, ever. It's like a little sandstone. Dude, that, I'm learning new words today. circles. And it just, it sands shit down real quickly. Like wood? Like wood class? Yeah, it, it is a wood tool, mostly, yeah. a Dremel. But it could, but it, uh, it's a, if it's a Dremel saw, <laughs> then that means it's a piece of metal spinning right. and it's cutting things. So it could cut wood. Right. It could, it could burn, How about stone? It could burn wood. Yeah, it could cut stone. I didn't think much as I popped the fingertip in my mouth and chewed for what I felt like an hour before the meat broke down enough for me to comfortably swallow. So he's a cannibal. Well, I tried to figure out how many calories were in the finger segment while also working to determine how many caloric needs have changed now that my body mass has decreased by that little bit. (laughs) Calories in, calories out. I don't know why I wasted so many years cutting what I could have done smart things by cutting off. Because you're not going to grow it back, man. My adrenaline was off the chart for the rest of the day, and I could barely sleep. I was brimming with excitement. I'd actually found a way to beat the system. (laughs) Why do we need food when we are food? (laughs) Desolation was crushed when I stepped on the scale the following morning and saw the familiar, disgusting number. 82 pounds. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) I punched myself and crawled at my face. I started, stared at, and scarred bloated atrocity that smirked at me in the mirror much too much of me far too much i bent the remainder of my left pinky backwards and twisted jesus christ the mirror me kept smiling i twisted and twisted the finger until it was connected to my hand by a tiny tight rope off a skin before pulling the broken digit completely off that's fucking ridiculous i walked through the kitchen and told Turn on the stove's electric burner and oh. perch the stump onto the clothes. Oh, yeah. No more. <laughs> no more bleeding. Back in the bathroom. I took an antibiotic and an oxygen I had left over my back surgery last year. I didn't want to get too sick to continue or be in too much pain and lose my nerve. Oh, shit. I gazed in the mirror while I chewed the cooling flesh off the bone. I gotta say, I hate Damn, cannibalism. I hate self mutilation. I hate all of this. Do you? This shit makes me squirm, man. Are you I sure? hate reading about this. Are you sure? This. Oh, I, I don't want, know, man. I want you to continue. I don't know, man. Do you know it's surprisingly easy to find someone on Craigslist who would perform surgery for the promise of cash? Jesus Christ. We, we met in my garage. <laughs> he inspected the place for cameras, closed the garage door, and clamped the catchet into my left wrist. Jesus Christ. I fingered my collarbones and traced the craggy topography of my ribcage as he swore, realizing he had only broken the bones without severing my hand. All the while, I retreated into my head, watching the scene unfold from above. I felt the thud as the blade hit me, and the thud puffing as he carved away. I hate this. The oxy did a really good job masking most of the pain. 
To be honest, I was a little disappointed. <laughs> this is so fucked up. My Craigslist surgeon looked mildly haunted, but what he'd done as soon as he <laughs> seared wound shot with the torch, he ran out. He'd been back soon enough, though. I sat in the garage and stared at the stump where my hand used to be. It smelled like the time mom burned pork chops and almost set the kitchen on fire. I hate this. My speared hand sat on the table like flaccid, relative of thing from the Adams family. Picking it up, I was a little surprised how heavy it felt. You never really think about the individual parts of your body having weight. Still, I was encouraged. This was an immediate loss of at least a pound or two. So fucked I, up. I gnawed at the seemingly knuckle areas and fought through a dizzy spell. Orange juice helped get my head to stop spinning. Whether it was blood loss or excitement didn't matter much. Things were finally going in the right direction. You know, a week later, I contacted my Craigslist surgeon again. I didn't have any more cash, but he agreed to do what I wanted to exchange for a couple of the oxy pills. Jesus Christ! <clears throat> I had at least 20 more in one bottle and an unopened bottle of 30 stashed in my bedroom, so he'd be happy for a while. Besides, we were almost done. I was almost done. <laughs> my surgeon said the next part would probably kill me. I agreed. We got <laughs> I to work. agreed. The pills didn't oh, do fuck. much to hold this pain. The feeling of salt going through a femur right near the hip bone it is a hard thing to describe even harder is the cessation one experiences the moment one's ephemeral artery is severe it's like the world starts melting the going gray at the same time luckily my surgeon had the torch ready and he seared the gushing artery shut before finishing the amputation when dropped the saw, the first thing I did was try to wiggle my toes. It felt like I wiggling them just fine. <laughs> Strange. I threw down another few antibiotics and painkillers. Before the surgeon left, I demanded that he held me to the bathroom scale. It was hard to balance on one leg and get a proper reading on the scale, but it was finally registered. <laughs> I was triumphant. 68 pounds. Shit, I thought it was going to be 69. <laughs> Like close, close enough. <laughs> one more. He needs to eat one more oh, thing. Oh, fuck me. He should have cut off his whatever, man. I hate this. The Disney's came back quickly, and I yelled to the surgeon who was about to leave. Oh, no. We were going to finish this. It didn't long, take long for him to agree to take off my other leg in the exchange for more pills. Cut, cut. Burn, burn. <laughs> he carried me back to the scale where I steered on my left side of stunts. 59 pounds. Then he brought me to my bed. So here I am, my right arm works fine. I don't think I want to get rid of that. <laughs> it's probably the only part of me I find useful these days. Oh, shit. I figure I have another couple weeks of antibiotics left. They're next to me under the pillow. I tucked my severe legs under the comforter. Jesus Christ. Over the next few days, I nip at them whenever I'm hungry. My guess is that hungry pains will become less intense once my body realizes it doesn't have much to fuel. <laughs> Until then, I'll just keep little bites, minimal intake, just like I'm used to, just like what keeps me comfortable in control. I need to level with you. Yeah. <laughs> that shit had me squirming. I hate mutilation, like torture porn shit. It just gets to me like I'm an empath. 
I put myself into the character's shoes, and I immediately imagine cutting my own hand off. That is not where I want to be mentally. I do not want to be thinking no. about how that would feel. Probably. I uh, hate stories like that. Uh, oh, man. Everyone listening, you now know what freaks me out the most. Never send me shit like this. Uh, ever. Uh, uh, I will never read that shit. Um, that was brought to you by JJ the Jetplay. It <laughs> was read to you by JJ the Jetplay. <laughs> I just hated it, and the cannibalism was like icing on the fucking cake. But like, it's not—it's bad enough that this guy's mutilating himself. It's worse <laughs> that he's eating it. <laughs> this is fucked up. Maybe that. Oh, I felt sick. I honestly felt sick. Everyone, <laughs> this is this. This is the worst I've been on this show. I have. I have read my limit of what I don't like, and it was only four pages long. Oh, man. Unsettling stories. They always go for the gross out, and they fucking get it, man. That was wild. Thank you so much for reading that, JJ the Jetplane, because I absolutely would not have gotten through that. Oh, you're very welcome. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... We've had a variety hour. We've had a plethora, oh, a tasting, if you will. We've had, uh, we've experienced everything on the plate of internet horror. Uh, where do you land? What did you like the most? I think people are very creative. It just shows you that humans are the true evil dangers of this world. <laughs> since all of this stems from our minds. From our right? minds. It's not like a dog that's writing it. Right. <laughs> But at the same time, it, it, it also shows you that us humans manifest uh, reality based on how we want to perceive it. May, sure. it, may It may disagree with other people's views, and thus, uh, thus, I think, we go into wars. But that's the true horror that I do not wish to see again. But in the meantime, I am glad to read fictional horror <laughs> stories. I really appreciate it. Um if I were to say what I liked reading the most, I liked your first story, uh, The Machine. I thought that that was um, that was read at no sleep. I tend to, to fascinate in that area. Mm-hmm. That type of stuff interests me the most. Um, the Creepypasta one was good with the yellow door. It just felt a little, maybe a little predictable a little bit. Um, the whole boogeyman thing. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, but... As far as unsettling stories goes, you know, they get the most visceral reaction out of me. These things exist, you know? Like, unsettling stories are about real things, which is, is what I and think is, yeah. is interesting about it. And, you know, it, it makes me uncomfortable because it is, you know, saturated in my real-life experience and feelings. Whereas when I'm reading No Sleep, when I was reading the story of the guy and his granddad... I didn't put myself in the to the lead character's shoes. I didn't like live that experience, you know. But uh, I definitely enjoyed the story the most. I think the machine was just the best narrative yeah. we had tonight. Yeah, and these are all based on people's uh, own experiences. That's why we get these unique kind of stories. It's not like every story's the same. You get different kinds of flavor, but it's all the same ice cream. You know what I mean? Absolutely. We, we we get to see, right? We we read four different stories. They had the horror genre, but they all divided into their own 
Absolutely. Individual. Their own subgenres, their own subplots yeah. of different things, you know. It's the spectrum <clears throat> the spectrum is wide. And the uh the genre is large. Right. There are a lot of different things you could focus on. Um I hope I hope you had fun yeah. on this episode, JJ. JJ the Jet Plane. I enjoyed this very much. Um, you know, <laughs> this was a very a new experience. That's why um I came here for. This is a very it's you know, you dwell your mind into different fields and areas and then once you enter someone else's, you know, world, you know, yeah, you welcome get to my world. Yeah, you you get a sense that you get a different sense of how reality works. You see it from their <laughs> point of view. Oh, my world is a lot like this show. It's uh, a lot like this attitude. Yeah. This attitude of this room is very much me. We got retro video games down near my feet, the shit I grew up with. We got posters of like my favorite movies and some notes and doodles from over the years with magazine clippings mm -hmm. and art projects and action figures and toys and replica swords. <laughs> it's, it's a it's a fun little room. $900 suit hanging on the door. Uh, good times. Um, this was Lots of Pasta, episode 163, with JJ the Jetplane. And I'm your host, Captain Death. I hope you had a fun time sitting there listening to us read fucking stories. Thanks for tuning in, guys. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you. Thank you, JJ the Jetplane, you, for your, your humble guests. You're always you're welcome back whenever whenever you want to dip your toe into that spooky swamp. Thank you, thank you for having me, Captain that spooky Death. Spooky spaghetti. Yes, thank you for having me, Captain Death. Oh, it was a very new experience. I much appreciate this. Uh, <laughs> any oh. any any final words for those for those listeners? Uh, to the listeners, if you guys are end up doing shrooms, please advise with Captain Death. We will advise you very wisely. I will, I will check. I will check your shrooms first. Yes. Before you, I will check your shrooms by by eating them. For sure. And then telling you how fucked up I am. Atlanta till we stand at the shore.